Good morning. Today's scripture is from Galatians 5, verses 1 through 15. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole young lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So, uh, today's sermon is going to have some, uh, some details in it. That uh, If you got young ones in here that you are not sure about, uh, hearing about uh, emasculation, uh, stuff like that, Maybe I shouldn't have said that just now, uh, but uh, you may want to take them to kids. But if not, uh, I'm going to try to keep it toned down a little bit. But let me pray for us and we'll get going. Lord Jesus, we uh, thank you and praise you for your gospel. We, we thank you for the truth that brings us freedom. We thank you for everything that you've done for us in that. And God, I pray that we live in that truth that we'd live in that freedom, and Lord, that it would be transformative. Lord, many of us, most of us in this room have not been transformed by the freedom that comes from you. And so, Lord, I pray that that would truly happen uh, today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to invite uh, Matt Baldwin up here and uh, uh, just have a, a quick conversation um, Matt, how long how long you been at Outward Church? And wh first of all, what's your role here? Uh, I'm the executive pastor here at Outward Church, and I've been here for 13 years. Just like a couple weeks ago, actually, it was 13 years here at Outward. Wow, wow! And you're also an elder, which yes, is yes, elder yes. pastor. Elder same pastor, thing here, same. but yeah. yeah. So been been here for 13 years. You had your uh, first date with your wife. Yes. To an outward service when we're back in the theater. Yep, yep. Right? I think Annika's back there. It's, I'm kind of blind. Yep, yep, she's back there. Yeah, That's this was our first date. We met on Craigslist, but you don't get to hear that story today. Yeah, they met on, they met on Craigslist. She was looking for a kayak. I was looking for love. He was looking for love. <laughs> and uh, the two just came together. It was, it was amazing. But um, Matt's been with us for uh, 13 years um, it been faithful over the last two years, is it? You've been on uh, basically full-time staff? Yeah, full-time staff, two years. And I was price. looking back, I think I've been employed here since like 2012. But oh, wow. We started, we started small and we, we got big at the end there. 
kind of. Yeah, and so you've, you've been on staff with us for a long time. Um, you've done everything, like between community groups and, and all of that stuff. And um, so over the last three years, you've been sensing God calling you to something. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was, it was just about three years ago. Um, I just, I remember we went up to a, a conference up in Seattle and I, I just had this sense, like I remember the, the speaker there that day just said something about like, be careful if you feel comfortable. And I was like, why? I feel comfortable. What should I be careful about? And I was just thinking about that on the way home. Like, should I, should, should I be comfortable? I feel pretty good right now. Like things are going great. And I, uh, I get home that night uh, and long story short, um, my wife tells me that we're pregnant with our fifth kid. And then 30 minutes later, I get a phone call that my boss was losing her job. And she said, just wait, you have a target on yourself. That, that's another story, but things got uncomfortable really quick. And um, from there on, just a number of things that happened um, in my life where I felt like I was called uh, to something different, to not be comfortable. Uh, and God just through a number of circumstances uh, kept affirming that. Um, yeah. 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 So the Lord is, has just been affirming this call. And then you on staff uh, with me been uh, one of my closest advisors. I mean, all of my guys and, and gals are, you know, we're, we're close as a staff, but you especially, especially through COVID, you came on, was it right before COVID happened, like in September? Of, yeah, yeah, basically like August, September of 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we, when COVID hit, you kind of revolutionized our staff, you brought in new uh, ideas and, and whatnot, because you have a, a ton of extensive experience with management, leadership, all of that stuff, and I was kind of like, I don't know what to do, and, and Matt was like, I got this. Yeah, and that's how it went, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of tears in his office. <laughs> and, uh, and so in and through this process, we've just continued to talk about like um, you saying, I, 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 I think the Lord is calling me to plant. I don't know where he wants me to plant. We thought for a long time that that was through Outward Church. And uh, so you were talking about Corvallis. We've talked about Olympia just for different reasons. Yeah. Um, we've talked about other areas in Salem. We've, we, I mean, it's just been something where, and it, it's been kind of something where we've kind of held open-handed and just, I don't know, go down to Corvallis and drive around and pray and, and whatever. And like, no, that's not it. And this isn't, this isn't it. And then uh, I got a phone call uh, from my buddy, my close friend who's a church planner in um, Puyallup, Washington. He was just here at the beginning of August, uh, spending time with me and my family. And he called me and he said, dude, there's another church that's about 30 miles uh, from him that's in Burien, Washington. And uh, they are suffering right now. They don't have a leader. And I need a guy temporarily uh, through January. And he's like, do you have anybody? And I'm like, ah, dang it. Uh, Matt's like my secret sauce here, other than the Holy Spirit, of course. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty close. To yeah. <laughs> this like went off the rails and yeah. got into blasphemy. We've made a huge mistake. But uh, in any case, uh, so I said, uh, have you considered my friend Matt? <laughs> um, and uh, he said, I was actually thinking of Matt. And I said, okay, well, he's you have free reign to, you know, contact him and see what you think. And so this process has gone on for some time. You've gone through uh, an extensive interview process. 
and uh, they just offered you a job on Friday. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, man, it's been, it's just been one of those things where. I, I, there's a lot of stories here. I wish we had more time, and we, we probably will get to some of them. But just, I thought immediately when Matt said this to me, I was like, okay, I'll say yes, but then I'll get home, and Annika's going to go, nope, <laughs> and that'll be the end of it. <laughs> and she didn't, and I was a little bit surprised by that, and a little bit like, shoot, that was kind of my plan all along. What do I do from here? And I mean, I mean, it, it's it, there's just evidence of God in every bit of this. Um, every time I thought, well, th- there's no way this is going to happen because of this. God just comes in and blows the doors open with with a solution. Uh, And in a lot of ways, it's just been like, I mean, there's just been, I think Anik and I are walking in a process of faith right now. Um, It's, this is going to be very hard for us. I mean, uh, yeah, I've been, I've known about this for a bit and been holding back tears every Sunday, just worshiping with you guys, just knowing, I just love this church so much. I love worshiping with you guys. I don't necessarily, I never wanted to leave. Uh, this is something that I feel God is calling me to do. And it's a little bit like, uh, you know, like my faith right now is I'm going to jump off a cliff in faith that he's going to catch me. It's kind of how I feel. I think that Annika and I would both say that's where we're at right now. It's a little bit of an unknown. I don't know what he's doing, but I'm, I'm excited and terrified. Yeah. <sighs> you, you may have to preach this morning. Uh, uh. All right, we're in the book of Galatians. <laughs> Um, we, we want to be open-handed with our leaders. Um, Acts 29 is the network that we're a part of, and this is a body of believers that don't have a leader. And um, we are a sending church. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And so um, we are sent, we're sent, and we are to be uncomfortable in that sometimes. Um, we praise God for um, the fact that um, we're a staff that loves each other. Um, um, we love being with one another. We love uh, to be together, but it has to be about the kingdom. It has to be about our, something other than our comfort and building something for us. And so um, when I offered him as I said, I thought it was going to be just in January, just to January. And it very quickly turned into, we probably just need to make this permanent. And so um, I was giving more than I anticipated. And, um, and so um, it's going to be hard. So if anyone's wondering uh, why Matt leaves at some point, there's only love between us. There's only love. And I, um, he's gonna, gonna be missed dearly. So, and I knew this would happen. <laughs> I, uh, I have not felt tears up until I knew it was gonna happen when I got on stage. So I did too. Don't worry. Yeah. So <laughs> everybody knew that. Would someone back there grab me some Kleenex? Because this is a mess. And so, um, we just want you to know that we'll have a send-off service for him. Uh, hoping to have him preach again um, here before he goes. And God willing, this is all going to happen. I mean, I suppose something could take place, and then you'll know that I really love Matt. And, uh, and he'll still be here. Thank you, babe. Appreciate it. Yeah, I just this is the first think... time this has happened, by the way. Right. 
yeah, would you like to pray for him? Why don't you pray? Why don't you pray? This is my wife, Chris, just not some random mic. woman. No, just grab that one. <laughs> hey, Annika, do you want to come up here too? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel I'm like sorry. that would I'm be sorry. appropriate, yeah. maybe. Since we're bringing up the gals yeah. here. Yeah. We organized this. We, we rehearsed this. We, <laughs> this was all planned, just like this. He asked so. me to squirt some uh, lemon in his eyes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. Here, babe, can you, uh, yeah. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for Matt and Annika, uh, the place that they have had here at Outward, God, in our lives and in the lives of um, everyone here. Uh, we are, uh, I think we're all kind of trusting, God, that this is what you're doing. And um, I just want to pray just your sweet blessing and covering over Matt and Annika uh, as all, there's a lot of details, God, to work out, but we have seen you be faithful uh, in the details thus far. And so we just trust you. Uh, obviously we know that you love them, God, more even than we do. And so, uh, I just pray that the details of uh, moving and, um, just their kids and, um, just the new God, the new church that I know is just so, uh, thrilled to have them. Um, and so I just thank you for the, the time that they have had with us. Uh, I thank you for, um, just the memories that have been made. And God, I just, I pray that those would continue. Uh, I don't see that ending. It just will happen from a further distance and will make the reunions that much sweeter, God. So we thank you uh, that this is a good thing, that there is no um, uh, dif difficulty in um, relationship right now. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that um, that they can go, God, in peace and in just knowing that you are moving. And so we just thank you so much for them uh, and pray for the ahead transitions. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, babe. Was, that's not for you, Matt. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, babe. Uh, I, I'll, yeah. Who knows how this sermon's going to go here. This is the first time this has ever happened, but uh, it actually isn't. It's... Uh, yeah, we're in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to try to get going here. We are going to be touching on uh, a little bit of uh, some, some touchy uh, issues. What we have in this passage is, is one of the most, um, it might be one of the most abrasive statements that there are in Scripture. It might be one of the, the, one of the most uh, pointed uh, <laughs> subjects uh, that, you, that you could talk about. Um, let me get to that first, so just so I can deal with that up front. It's in verse 7, where the Apostle Paul has kind of an aside in the middle of his statements. And the aside is this, you were running well, who hindered you? And that word hindered means who cut into you. It's almost like Paul is using an innuendo because he's referring to uh, circumcision. And he's talking to a church. And so if you, don't under, if you don't know about circumcision, in the Old Testament, God said, here is a sign that I have saved you, and the sign is, I want you to be circumcised. Don't ask me why God asked for that. That's just what God asked for. Uh, come, Jesus comes uh, on the scene. He dies for our sins. He's raised from the dead, and all of a sudden, circumcision is no longer required for identification with Jesus. Baptism takes over as the new sign. Some false teachers came on the scene and said, aha, here's the deal. Paul himself 
believes in circumcision. He, he is circumcised. You should also be circumcised. So you need Jesus plus circumcision. But that is not what the Apostle Paul had taught these people. He had taught them you need Jesus only without any religious rights or uh, responsibilities. It is only Jesus, and it is not following the rules that saves you. It is only through Jesus Christ that you were saved. So Paul says, you were doing so well. Who cut into you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. One person gets in there, starts spreading stuff around. It just gets all the way through the church there. He said, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who's troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? The Apostle Paul is responding to something that he's heard, and he says, listen, I, I know that they're saying that even I uh, support the idea of circumcision as being necessary in order to be a Christian, but that's not true. Uh, if that were true, then I... I wouldn't still be uh, hated by these Jewish people. I would be loved because I would be agreeing with them. But he says, why am I still hated if that's what's going on? And he says, in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. He says, listen, if I, if, if I go and say, yes, you need circumcision, then that means that you somehow have the ability to save yourself by circumcision, which is basically a symbol of keeping all of the rules, and you don't even need the cross. And so then the cross loses its offensiveness, which the cross is offensive today. Uh, and so he says that in that case, Here's what I think that they should do. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. He says, if a little bit is good, why don't you just go ahead and take the whole thing, right? And it's, it's, it's a hilarious statement because you're just going, oh my goodness, what, what is happening here? The Apostle Paul wants these people in Galatia to know something, and that is that these are false teachers. They're teaching you that you have to do good in order for God to save you. And if God will save you through taking a little bit, then why don't you just take the whole thing? That's what he has to say. And he's saying that out of a deep love and care for people who he desperately wants to know the truth. And I want you to know the truth this morning. And so he says at the very beginning of the passage, he says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has, has released us. There's a couple other translations which, which say, for freedom, Christ has freed you, uh, or Christ set us free to be free men. What, what does it mean to lose our freedom? What, what, you got you to think about it that way. Like there's this freedom in Christ. The Apostle Paul wants you to know that. You have to look at the other side of it. What is slavery? Paul's been explaining this, that this slavery is found in the idea that like the weight of doing all the right things is on my life. The weight of being a good person, the weight of knowing that I wasn't a good person in this and this and this and this and this instance is on me, this weight. And this weight of slavery is on you and I from the moment that we're born. From the moment that we are born, we know that there's things that we should do and there's things that we should not do. 
That weight is on us. It is, it is called God's law. God created this world. He put laws in place. We inherently know some of those laws. Others uh, of those laws uh, are found in the Old Testament, like the Ten Commandments uh, and many, many other laws. But we are born with this problem, and that is that we are under the weight of this slavery, which is if I don't keep the law, I will be damned. And every single one of us know this. Whether you acknowledge it audibly or not, most of what we're doing and most of where our behavior comes out of is out of this idea that there is a weight that is on me and it is the weight of I have not fulfilled what God has for me. You might even deny God. You're still in this place of, I, do not, I am not doing what God has told me that I should do. It's this weight of slavery. So Paul says, for, for freedom, Christ has set us free. So three things I wanna tell you about freedom. One is how we lose it. Secondly, how we keep it. And third, what it's for. Uh, the first thing is how we lose it. Paul says in the second half of that verse, verse one, he says, stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This idea of standing firm is a military term. It means hold your ground. Paul is saying, don't give up the freedoms that you have. This morning, what's on top of mind maybe for many of us is what's happening in Afghanistan. What happened in Afghanistan? And I, I hope that this isn't political or controversial or anything like that, um, but it, it probably is going to be. But on some level, the, uh, you know, America goes in with our army and our, our military, along with many other armies and militaries, and we go in and we free Afghanistan from Taliban rule. We totally free them from this. We try to build up a military. We try, to, we try to give them all kinds of things. And what happens is the day that we pull out, or however many days it was, the Taliban takes over again. And in a sense, what's been happening, like politically, uh, according to what the president has had to say, is that they have tried to say to the Afghani people, stand firm, stand your ground. Don't give up your freedoms. Don't give up your daughters. Don't give up on this, like you've got to fight for this, otherwise you're gonna lose it. Freedom is always something that must be fought for. When you become a Christian, you are immediately freed from the weight, the condemnation that comes from having not fulfilled what God has uh, told you that you should do. You're underneath this and it is a slavery on you that you cannot overcome. Jesus comes in and he frees us from that responsibility. Jesus frees us from that. And so as a result, we are free. He says, stand firm. It's a military term. And he says, hold your ground. Don't give it up. But then he also says, do not submit again. There's that, there's that idea of you used to be in slavery and I don't want you to submit to this new slavery, which is a possibility for all of us at any time. The, he's talking to people who were um, pagans, 
who came out of a type of slavery, which was uh, a slavery into sin, a slavery of the law that was going on in paganism. And he says, you've been freed from that. Don't give into this and now just trade like a liberal uh, set of rules for a conservative set of rules. It has political implications as well, which is, which is this, like uh, conservative politics is just as much slavery as liberal politics. It's like you cannot make your freedom be about, uh, you, know, the, uh, you know, one party or the other. And so he says, I don't want you to submit again to this slavery, to a yoke of slavery. Now, what does a yoke mean? A yoke is this, is that in those days, in order to pull a heavy load, you'd have an ox and, or maybe two oxen, and uh, they would have a yoke which goes over them. It, it goes over their neck, and then they pull this cart. Today, a similar illustration would be this. If you've got a heavy trailer, and you have a pickup that is not big enough, or maybe like a Prius, and you're trying to pull like a, D, a D9 Caterpillar uh, dozer, you know, something like that. Like the, the Apostle Paul is saying, don't try to pull this load with a Prius. You can't do it. You need the semi-truck of Jesus, whatever that is, you know. You need, you need Jesus to pull this load. Don't submit again. Don't put this on you. Don't try to pull it with your own vehicle. It's completely absurd. The first thing is freedom. We lose it by not fighting for this freedom. How do, how do, how do we lose it by not fighting for this freedom? You know, when somebody comes into the church and they seem pretty holy and they have some new rules for us, when I was growing up, there was no secular music, uh, no alcohol, um, probably just a little bit before my time, there was no movies, uh, especially no rated R movies. There was, there was a list of things that you did not do as a Christian. We've had people that have come to our church and have said, we don't like your stance on alcohol, and we have said, we are not going to submit to a yoke of slavery. Now, we don't use our freedom to go and get wasted, get plastered, uh, sin with alcohol. But alcohol cannot be the standard of righteousness. It can't be something else that you add to. Like, so Jesus plus not drinking alcohol equals salvation. That can't be what it is. It must be Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. It must just be Jesus. It can't be Jesus plus conservative politics equals salvation. It can't be that. It cannot be Jesus plus don't force me to get the vaccine equals salvation. It can't be Jesus uh, plus everybody should get the vaccine equals salvation. It can't be Jesus plus mask minus mask. It can't be anything like that. It can't be Jesus plus anything. It must just be Jesus. And Paul is saying you must fight for your freedoms. Otherwise, you're going to be like a Prius trying to pull a D9 dozer up a hill and it's not going anywhere. How do we lose it? We lose it by not fighting for it. We lose it by trying to carry a load that we were never intended to carry. We lose it by saying, I would come to Jesus, but I don't think that I could carry the weight of being a faithful husband or, or wife. I'd come to Jesus, but I, I just don't think that I could 
do this whole thing with going to church every Sunday or something like that. I'd come to Jesus, but I, uh, you know, I just don't uh, really like all Christians or whatever it is. I'd come to Jesus, but uh, it can't be that. There is freedom in Christ because of this. You cannot add anything to Jesus in order to receive salvation. It must just be Jesus plus nothing. And here's why. Because whatever you add to Christ takes away Christ. Let's take a look at verse 2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. That's the, that's the first reason. Why? Because Christ, what, what purpose is there in Christ then? Uh, there's some liberal scholars, and I hesitate to call them scholars, uh, who, who would say, Jesus is our example. He is not our Savior. They don't like the idea of Jesus having to die on the cross. They don't like the idea of having to believe in Jesus. They don't like, they don't like many ideas that are orthodox, that are found in Scripture. But what Paul says is this, is that like, if you accept circumcision, then Jesus has no purpose whatsoever. He's not an advantage to you. There's no point in even believing in Jesus. You should have stayed in Judaism. Judaism would have been, would have been fine for you. It wouldn't have saved you, but there's no reason to even add Jesus because Christ will be no advantage to you. And what's, what's, what's this saying? It's saying this, that when you add something as small as circumcision, it's such a small thing. Like, what's, what's the big deal? What, why, does it, why does it matter? I'm trying not to make innuendos or anything like that. <laughs> okay, yeah, just stay on track with me here. It's, it's, it's such a small procedure. Why would it matter? Why would, why would that be such a big deal? There's many people who, who try to take away just something little about the gospel. I have a friend who posts all the time heresies that he believes and supports. And one of them is, uh, Jesus never said that you're supposed to believe in me. And I just went through the book of John and did a quick word search for believe and I just, I wanted to copy all of that and just paste it onto his Facebook, you know? And like, no, it, it, it's all there. It's, there's so many verses in there that say you must believe, basically. When you take something so small away, it gets you completely far off. It gets you completely far off. And Paul is saying, if you accept this, it's a symbol for so many other things that will be added to this and you will be weighed down and you will no longer have freedom in Christ. It must be Christ only. The second thing he says, verse three, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision. There are those two words again that he is obligated to keep the whole law. When you say, okay, I'm just gonna do circumcision, the apostle Paul says, you can't just take circumcision and say, okay, I'll just do this one thing so that God accepts me. I'll just be a good person, and then, I'll be, and, then I'll, and then I'll come to Jesus. As soon as I'm a good person, then I'll give my life to Jesus. Paul says, no, you can't do that. If you say that there's any part of it 
that you have to keep. You have to keep the whole enchilada. Like you have to do everything. Like if you're, if you're going to be dependent on any one of God's 10 commandments, you have to keep all of the 10 commandments in order to be saved. You can't just pick the ones that you think that you can accomplish. Paul says, if you're going to do one, you got to do the whole thing. And the implication is this, is that you can't keep the whole thing. And so therefore you must have Jesus in order to have freedom in Christ. Verse four, you are severed. I think he uses the word severed on purpose because he's basically saying when you cut that off, you are cutting off Christ. That's, that's essentially what you're doing. You're basically saying, I am removing myself from Christ in the same way that I'm removing this piece of flesh from my body. I'm removing myself from Christ. He says, you're severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. The last thing he says, you have fallen away from grace. Now, some people look at that and they say, it sounds like maybe uh, you lose your salvation. If you, if you go into this and you start believing that it's, it's by works that I, that I get to Jesus, that I can have salvation in him, then I've lost grace. No, it's saying you're not walking in grace. You're not in grace. You're, you, you have put off Christ and you're not walking in grace. The way that we walk in grace is to walk in a way that says, I am faulty. I am lost. I don't have what it takes. Every day, I need Jesus on the cross for me. I once went to um, an AA meeting on the beach uh, down in California uh, with uh, a friend. And I sat on this beach. It was a Sunday morning. And there was probably 50, 60 people in a giant circle. And I was like, I'd never been to an AA meeting before. And my my friend was in AA, very involved in it. And I remember sitting there. And one person after another would get up and, and, and say, uh, my name's so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. Hey, so-and-so. And this is what I'm struggling with right now. Here's what happened in my life. Here, here, here's what's, what's taking place. And everybody was loving and caring about this person. And I thought to myself, like, this feels more like church than anything else. These are people who are, they are expecting grace from the other people around them because everybody around them is, is saying, yeah, I was there too this week. I was tempted this week. I, I did screw up this week. I did have this problem. The apostle Paul says the Christian life in, in some ways is similar. It's similar in that when you say, you know what, I'm going to keep the law and I do keep the law and I, and I, and I do all the right things. And I am a good person. Paul says, you're not walking in grace. You're not living in grace. Jesus wants you to walk in the reality that you screw up a thousand times a day and he loves you just the same every single moment, more than you could possibly imagine. That's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants you to experience his love on that level. And Christian people... Do not get it. We get hung up on, he said that we should be drinking alcohol. Oh, jeez. There's some people who shouldn't, for sure. It's been a downfall for you, but don't add that as a requirement for everybody else. Don't add that as a requirement for you to be loved by God. Let's dig into that. 
for those of you that are Christians, you ever get that feeling like, ah, oh, God's so ticked at me right now. I totally messed up. I'm not talking to God right now. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just in, I'm just in this place where I just, I just, I can't look at Him. I can't, I can't talk with Him because then what'll happen is this: is that I'll become aware of all of my inconsistencies. I can't. I can't look at him. I can't, I can't see him. As soon as, I, as soon as I get my life back together and I start doing these things and I stop doing those things, then I'll do, what? You know what that is? That's saying, you know what? I'll come back to God as soon as I'm circumcised. I know that's a really awkward statement, but that's what it means. I'll come back to you, God, as soon as I accomplish the law. And Paul wants to say to you, freedom isn't found when you finally get it together. Freedom is found when you realize you will never get it together and God loves you intensely, not for any other reason other than the fact that he just wants to pour out his love and acceptance on you moment by moment, moment, minute by minute, hour by hour. And he wants you to live in this place. There's that, that song that says, I need thee every hour. What do I need about Jesus every hour? I need Jesus every hour because I screw up every hour. I need Jesus constantly. I need to experience his grace and his mercy constantly. And do you, do you know what keeps us from experiencing his grace? What keeps us from experiencing his grace is being out there flapping in the breeze, not connected with the word of God, not connected with the people of God, not connected with the things of God, and just saying, you know, I'm just gonna be on my own. You come in here, this isn't some special building, this is a warehouse for the love. This is not, there's nothing holy about this. You come in here because the people of God are in here. And the people of God that live in freedom get to wrap their arms around you in love and say, like, brother, sister, it's okay. We love you. This is what God has for you. They might challenge you. You might say, hey, man, you shouldn't be cheating on your wife. Hey, girl, whatever, I don't know, I, whatever that, whatever you'd say to girls cheat too, but uh, I, I sounded like a boy band there for a second. Hey, girl, you know I got you. Uh, I don't know what, what song that is. All right, that, 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 that took a weird turn, but uh, you, you, come, you come in here to live in a life of grace. And do you know what's happened through COVID? And so many people have come to the point where they say, I can live without experiencing the grace of Jesus. They say, I can, I can live without, because the body of, this is called the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ collectively. Why? Because Jesus wants you to look into his eyes. Not that I'm Jesus. But someone who's looking at you and has the grace of Jesus, 
to shower on you is here. And they are a member, a part of the body of Christ. And when you can't look them in the eye and say, uh, man, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm dealing with. This is where I've been. You don't get to experience that. You, get, you, you don't get to live in the context of grace. So that's all how we lose it. We lose it by not being a part of the body, by not fighting for it, fighting to keep our freedom. We lose it by saying, you know what, I'll carry this load. You know what, Jesus, why don't you unhook your, your semi? I, I, uh, I uh, kind of souped up my Prius. I think I'm going to get it, right? I don't know why I'm picking on Priuses. I just don't like them. Um, I'm sorry. I raced one of our staff guys, Kevin, home the other night from something, Canyon View, in his Prius, and he was beating me, and then I went through a parking lot in my Suburban, and I beat him, so. So, and oh, oh, there he is, yeah. Do you feel shameful about that? Hey, there's freedom in Christ, bro, all right? Uh, How do we keep it? Verse five, for through the spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Now that can just go by really quickly, but what does it mean? For through the spirit, that means that the Holy Spirit of God, when you become a believer in Jesus, indwells your life. When you say yes to Jesus and you say, I admit that I don't have what it takes I admit that I, that I can't do it on my own. I admit that I, I'm not going to be able to do it. When you, when you say that, what happens is this, and you receive Jesus as Savior, the Spirit comes in and indwells your life. And it is the Spirit of God that is animating your life and bringing about the faith that you need in order to eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Paul says, Don't sit here and stress about the fact that you're not righteous right this second. Don't sit here and in in this consternation and say, you know, I, I really wish I could get my life together. I really wish I could do this. No, by the spirit of God, this is what God would have you do, that you would, by faith, not be saying, I really screwed up and I feel like God might have left me and I feel like maybe I never was saved to begin with. No, it's like, you know what? I'm so looking forward to the day that, I, that this tattered body will be glorified in Christ. That, this, that my life will be glorified in the hope of Christ. In the hope of actually becoming righteous. My hope today is not found in whether I can get my life cleaned up. Whether I can stop looking at porn, whether I can stop drinking, whether I can stop lying, whether I can stop cheating, whether I can uh, start reading my Bible or read my Bible more or anything like that. It can't be in that. It has to be in this. I have faith that someday Jesus is coming back and he's going to take me with him and he is going to glorify me in my body and he's going to cause me to be finally faithful to him. No, no amens? Nothing? All right, all right. I just, I thought we had some Christians in here. I just wasn't sure. Like that's, that's what we are hoping for. It's not that we hope that we grow a big church. It's not that we hope that 
uh, that the mask mandates go away or that they stay with us. If you would be hoping for that, I have no idea. Sometimes I wonder, but uh, it's not that I'm hoping that things get back to normal. I'm not hoping for any of that. I'm not hoping for anything other than I am just longing for the return of Jesus to come. Paul says, instead of you sitting here fretting about how you don't keep the rules, I want you to think about how Jesus kept the rules for you and he has saved you and he's going to finally save you perfectly. That's what should be on top of mind for us. So how do you know if you have that faith? He says in verse six, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So it's, it's not through success in keeping the rules. It's not through failure of keeping the rules. Circumcision or un- uncircumcision. It's not through any, either of those things. Those things count for nothing. It's not about law keeping. It's not about rule keeping. It's not about any of those things. But it's only this. It is when faith is working in your body and it is causing you to love. I gotta tell you that one of the things that I see in people when I'm in public or I'm dealing with various people and I see someone who seems to be particularly loving, so many times I wanna say, are you a believer? When I see somebody love someone that nobody else is loving, I just wanna say, are you, are you a believer? Because of this, because it is a telltale sign of somebody who has not put faith in their ability to do good. They don't, they're not in competition with other people. They don't have to prove themselves. They don't have to make themselves look good. In fact, Tim Keller says this in the book uh, Galatians for You that we handed out at the beginning of this series. He says, faith literally energizes love. And neither religious moralism, that's keeping the rules, nor licentious, that's not keeping the rules, nor licentious non-religiosity can do this because both are essentially selfish and insecure. It's out for self. I got to feel good about myself, so I need to make sure that I look good. And if you say that I don't look good and that I sin against somebody, like how dare you? Because guess what? My acceptance with God rides on my ability to keep the rules. He says that both are essentially selfish and insecure. Selfishness and insecurity cannot produce love because love is joyful self-giving. But faith in Christ can because by it we are certain of our righteousness and welcome with the Father. What's this saying? It means this, that when I put faith not in my own abilities to accomplish anything, When I put faith in the ability of God to save me and that I have a future hope of righteousness in him, it frees me to love people. Paul is making a big transition right now in this book of the Bible. And he's saying, now that you know this, now that you understand uh, understand God's love for you, you cannot out-sin God. You can't out-sin him. You can't outrun him. You must put faith in him that he has saved you. Now, what changes? Love changes. How do we keep it? It is through faith. How do we keep this freedom? It is through faith that love begins to flow 
through us. And this is not keeping our salvation, but it's keeping the freedom that comes with living in our salvation. Let me ask you something. Do you have freedom or are you stuck in a cycle of, I keep screwing up? Do you have freedom or are you still hell-bent, literally, on just doing it yourself? I'll find my own freedom. I'll do it through a financial freedom. I'll do it through uh, discovery. I'll do it through just being myself and just enjoying life. I'll find freedom in that. It's a slavery as you long for and look for satisfaction in anything but Jesus Christ. Men and women, this freedom is found in finding full satisfaction in God. It comes in finding full satisfaction in the fact that he has paid it all. It comes in full satisfaction that I cannot fix myself. And what it's for, as I said, it's for loving others. When you know that you are deeply loved, you love others. How do you keep it? It's through faith. What is it for? It's for love. Do we love other people? Paul says it again. He says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't just do whatever you want. You were saved to serve. But through love, serve one another. And then look at this. The whole time, the Apostle Paul has been saying, it's not about the law, it's about grace. But then he says this, when you have faith, it produces love. And guess what happens? When you have faith that Jesus saved you, not because of something that you did, when you have faith that Jesus is going to make you righteous and you cannot make yourself righteous, when you have faith in that, you no longer have to strive and try to earn and try to do anything else. You don't have to make it happen. You get to just love people. And he says this, after all that talk against the law, he says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word or in one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Don't try to get to God through obeying the law. Realize that God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross, to be crucified and to be raised from the dead in your place for your sins as your substitute. And when you live in that reality and you don't try to strive to be acceptable to God, it now causes you to then start keeping God's law by loving people. Huge difference. Huge difference. And then he ends with this. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. I know of no fights or devouring that's going on in our church. I know of love and acceptance for one another. But I got to tell you, where there is legalism, where there is licentiousness, people are biting and devouring one another. And I don't know what's 
going on in your marriage? But like, is your marriage grace-based or is it law-based? You didn't give me what I wanted. That's law. Grace is I give selflessly in faith that maybe that might transform your heart. At your work, are you grace-based or law-based? Law says, you don't have the freedom to make me do what I don't want to do, which, by the way, I also support that idea of we should have freedom from vaccines if we so choose. But what is our attitude in the midst of that? Is it law or is it grace? And I don't even know exactly how you bring grace to those situations, but maybe it's hoping a little bit less in your American freedom and hoping a little bit more in your freedom in Christ. I don't have freedom at work, but I have freedom in Christ. I am a free human being because I am free in Christ. And there's nothing, no laws, no rules, no mandates that can take that away from me. Men and women, you have freedom in Christ for those of you that have received Jesus. Don't give it away. Fight for it. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've got to do it today. Surrender to Jesus today. Acknowledging this, I can't keep your rules. And I know that I don't have to because Jesus has done that for me. And then live out of that grace and that mercy. And I'd love to hear from you today. Today we have a communion all uh, throughout the room here. And uh, got some folks here that are going to bring it up here up front and, and everywhere. So if you would just uh, pop up here and we've got, I don't know where it is. Oh, it's coming right here. Got communion coming forward. So let's grab communion and then we'll partake together. While you're, uh, while you're grabbing the elements there. If you're, if you're seated, I just want to invite you to bow your heads with me. Would you just take a moment and could we just examine our lives? Where am I trying to earn God's favor? Is there pride in that area that says, I am doing what God wants me to do? And so I'm acceptable to him. For those of you that feel like you keep blowing it, 
Where do I feel shame and avoidance of God? Both of those things are efforts at self-salvation. Would you just confess them to Jesus right now? Just acknowledge your sin before God and just say, I need thee every hour. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your love. I need your care. I need your comfort. And Jesus says to you this morning, he says, I gave my body so that you would know this. He says, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the body. He says, I poured out my blood so that you would know. Let's partake of the body or the blood. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We pray that we'd live in light of your cross understanding that you have given us everything that we need. Lord, may we live in faith and be empowered in love. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to worship.